Welcome, everyone. Episode 62 of the Health and Wealth Podcast. Steve Giordano here today with a very special guest all the way from Utah, board member, Mrs. Shanae Woods. How are we doing today? I'm good. How are you? Phenomenal. Monday, Martin Luther King Day, working, right? We're both, si both sitting here working, right? Because that's what we do. So want to jump into it because you have a very, you know, cool, unique story. Obviously, what, what you've done, incredible board member, $1.6 million team. Want to talk about that and some of the things you're doing there. But, you know, let's start here. What kind of brought you into, let's say, entrepreneurship to begin with? So from, from a very young age, I learned when I was coaching gymnastics that I made a lot more money coaching private lessons on my own than I did coaching classes at the gym. And I think that's probably the number one thing that got me interested in being an entrepreneur. So I was like, I can make more money on my own than I can working for someone else. Makes sense. Now, what did your parents do? My dad's a banker. My mom was, she owned a gym and taught tumbling for a little while out of our house. But for the most part, she's been a stay at home mom. So yeah, so dad had a little bit of that entrepreneurial. Did he have his own bakery and his own thing? Or he nope, he's somewhere? very much a corporate career man. Go to college, get a job, have a 401k, retire when you're 60. He thinks I'm crazy, but. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So he's still out there baking and I bet you he probably kicks ass at it. Yeah. Yep. Wow. That's cool. So now how do you, when you say he thought I was crazy, right? Cause we all hear that from family who are not kind of in what we do in entrepreneurship. Yeah. How do you communicate to him? And I guess at what age did you actually start being an entrepreneur? And, you know, did you have like a, I would assume a regular job prior to probably going through college and stuff like that, but how do you kind of communicate and offset, you know, that resistance? So now I just show him my bank account because you know, when he's like, oh, you're in a pyramid scheme, it's a Ponzi scheme, it's a multi-level marketing, <laughs> you know, he's got all the names for it. And a lot of times I'm just, here's my deposits and here's where they come from. This is how much money I make. And he's always like, hmm. he's a very stoic, <laughs> cowboy businessman. And that's usually his response. He'll just go, hmm, yeah, walk that's away. Funny. <laughs> that's funny. Then he goes and bakes your cake or something. <laughs> that's funny. So what did you do earlier on in life? Like, what did you go to school for? And what was kind of your path then? So I went to school to be a paramedic when I was 18. That was my first career path. And then I moved to Indianapolis and my license didn't transfer from Utah to Indianapolis. So I went back to coaching gymnastics because I knew that's where I could make a lot of money coaching private lessons. So I mainly coached the competitive girls team and private lessons. Wow. Okay. And then where, at what age and, and where along the path did insurance kind of come your way? Insurance came my way in very early in 2018, um, shortly after my youngest was born. And at first it was terrifying to go from having benefits and insurance and a guaranteed income to having none of that guaranteed, having to figure out, you know, I got to pay for my own health insurance. I have to pay my own taxes. I got to figure out how to actually have an income because none of it's guaranteed when you're 1099. Wow. So it's interesting. So you just had your first, so you have two obviously. And what are the ages? Uh, my daughter is seven, almost eight. 
and my son is five. Wow. Okay. So obviously that's a tremendous balance as well. And like you said, you know, 2018, you were, you were right on your way being a mom. How do you balance that out? Because I, I can tell you just from me doing it now a couple of years and I don't even do half the work Margaret does. It's, it's a lot. How do you balance? You don't. Right. To be very, very, very honest, you don't. There's no magic pill. There's no secret in balancing being a full-time single mom and being a full-time business owner and running the business. You just you just figure it out and make it work. Yeah, it makes sense. Do what you got to do, right? And sometimes that's the best. It's kind of like this business, right? Like where you just said, mm -hmm. you're 1099. You know, you have to make the money to pay the mortgage, the bills, and feed these kids. Like you figure it out because, you know. Yep. You can. And the great thing here is we have a system to do that. So now you get an insurance in 2018. What did the experience look like for you? What are some of the struggles you had? What are the, some of the successes that you had? So starting out, you know, it was more money than I had made before, but it was also not enough, mm. right? I was like, I was at another company where the comp was lower, the structure was different, the leads were different. It, it was just a different situation. So it was harder. And that's what, you know, I saw a video of Sean Mike on Facebook and when he was like, here's what our comp grid looks like and here's why FFL is the best place to build a business. And it was not an easy decision to make to leave, you know, the community that you had built around you in your first like big entrepreneurship venture. But, you know, when it came down to it, it came down to what was best for me and my family and providing for my kids and making more money is almost always yeah. <laughs> the better situation for you and your family. 100%. Now, at the time, you, you started to build a team, right? And at what point did you see that value in like, all right, cool, I can go out and I can write and I can provide, but look at this bigger benefit where I can kind of, you know, a hundred times myself and actually build a business out of this? I would say it was a good year into building before you see the sustainable results. And what I mean by that is not that it's not sustainable and you don't make money throughout the journey, but it does take time to find the right people who are going to stick around that are going to be leaders in your organization and become self-sufficient on their own. And right about that one year mark was where I was like, you know, a non-negotiable for me Every, and everybody's parenting strategies and what they do, everybody's different, right? But for me, something that from the day I was knew I was going to be a mom was I was going to do whatever I had to do to not put my kids in daycare. Mm. I didn't want someone else raising my kids. I wanted to do it because that's what's, you know, what was going to be best for me, my mental health and knowing what's going on with my kids yep. and knowing that, you know, nobody can raise your kids better than you can. So right about that one year mark is where I was like, okay, I can, I can build a business here. And yes, I still have to work. Yes. I still have, you know, you're on the phone all day long. You're replying to agency emails, you're helping agents in the home, you're checking in with carriers, you're, you know, it's, it's still work, but I don't have to be gone Monday through Saturday away from my kids running appointments in the field to be, you know, be able to have an income to provide for my family where that was something that was a non-negotiable for me was being present in these young years of my kids' lives that I can't get back. I don't get to redo this time. Yeah. It's so cool because we talk a lot in this 
company and industry, obviously it's one of the richest industries that there are. And, and a lot of times people get kind of, they look at like, oh, you can make so much money. But really what you just said is actually what it's really about. The fact that you can use the money to make sure that the things that are non-negotiable for you and your kids are non-negotiable. Whereas if you work that nine to five and you were capped at an income or whatever, you can't always make those decisions. You're kind of like stuck. And I think that's what's super cool about what we do, as opposed to just saying, hey, you can make X amount. Like that's cool, but what do you, what is it for? What do you do it with? Yeah. And when I'm, when I'm doing, you know, onboarding new agents and trainings and talking about goals and all that stuff, um, it's very important to me to understand why my agent's goals are what they are. You know, if an agent comes to me and is like, Hey, I want to make $25,000 this month. Cool. You can, you can do that. But why is that important to you? Why do you want to make 25,000? Right. Is it just because you want to make a bunch of money and go bunch of, buy a bunch of nice things? <laughs> and that's usually not the case. It's usually so that they can pay for kids' travel sports or they can buy their teenager a car. They can retire their wife. They can pay their mom's bills. They can pay their parents' hospital bills. You know what I mean? There's always yeah. an emotional connection to why they want to make that money. And I think it's important to keep them, you know, for anybody in an entrepreneur space to stay in that mindset of why you're doing it. And it's not not just for the money, it's for the freedom and the time freedom and to be able to do those non-negotiables that you set for yourself when you came into the business. Yeah. Good point. It's kind of like when you're when you're selling and people say to you, I want a million dollar policy. And then it's like, all right, well, you really need, you need like 50 grand. Like and that. Let's talk about what the money's going to do. Not a put not like what the big number is. It's kind of like the same concept. So now you're you you come to FFL and that was 20. Was it 2020? Mm -hmm. July of 2020. Yep. Okay. So July of 2020, you make the move. What did that look like? And how was it like, wow, you know, I went from this with comp to this with comp and leads and like, what did that look like transition wise? And then, you know, how did you transition that also into building your team as big as it is? So um, I think leads was a big thing because where I was before I was basically capped to 10 mortgage mail-ins a week and I got them every Friday. Mm. They were older. They were never new, mm. right? <laughs> Which explains why they were less than what we pay here at FFL. And nine out of the 10 of them would tell me that somebody was already there. Mm. So then I was replaced. I was fighting to replace policies and beat prices. And it wasn't always putting the clients in the best place mm -hmm. and in the best product for them. So switching over, the leads were twice as much, which was terrifying at first. You know, when you, when you go from spending a certain amount and then all of a sudden your lead budget doubles, um, but they were newer leads. They were fresh. They hadn't been called um so it was it was an easier sell and it was easier to put the client in the product that they needed rather than just trying to beat a price so it was you know my comp was significantly higher right off the bat which was helpful and then newer leads and you know everybody's always terrified to spend as much money as we do on leads but we have we don't have better leads you know like andrew always says we don't have better leads we just have more of them yeah. So there, there, it was a no brainer for me because of the leads. And then when it came to, you know, figuring out the leads and the CRM and the software systems and all that stuff, building a team for me, just came down to hiring people that I knew were going to be better than me. I like that. And I think, I think a lot of people shy away from hiring people that are better than them because 
of what, whatever they're rationalizing it to be, whatever they're afraid of, Yeah. but hiring people that you know are going to be better than you, whether that's building or selling or training or whatever, hire people that are, you think are out of your league and it will, it will take you very far. That's very good advice. I like that in building, like from a percentage, was it a lot of warm market? Where did most of the people come from that you found? And what are some of your strategies to building your team? It's about 50-50 where, you know, they were somewhere more market, somewhere off of, you know, hiring sites, Indeed, that kind of stuff. Some of them were Facebook. Some of them were YouTube. You know what I mean? They they came from all over. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's just like leads. It's a numbers game. Right. The more people you talk to, the more people you're going to have the chance to hire. The more people you put into school to get their license, the more people do their contracting, and then the more people actually go out and write a policy. For me, it's always just been a numbers game. It doesn't matter where they come from. You just yeah. need people to talk to. Do you have staff at this point? Like, what does that structure look like? I do. So I have a full one full-time admin that works just for me. She does my social media and contracting. Any, any you know, contracting requests that come from about half of my team. The other half is pretty self-sufficient at this point, And they have their own staff that takes care of them. And then I have one full-time admin that does a little bit of recruiting, my all my social media stuff and then contracting in your personal recruiting like what are some of the things that you're doing in, in how you connect with people on social media like if you're going out and you're trying to find somebody to join your team what are some of the things that you do in messaging or what have you a lot of it's just um you know not hey right off the bat i want to hire you come work with us you can make more money you know trying to sell them on it figuring out a if they're happy where they're at because if people are happy where they're at you're not going to change their mind yep. if people are happy with the amount of money they're making they're not going to switch they're not going to leave their job they're not going to make any changes so it just comes down to the same thing as you know selling insurance figuring out where the sore spot is <laughs> and finding the solution to the problem. Yeah, absolutely. What type of schedule do you now work? Cause obviously you, you, you still sell, you're building more. Like, what does that look like, you know, from a day to day, uh, you know, throughout the week scheduling perspective? So during the week, um, and we've talked about this a little bit, um, my mornings, I try to get in an early workout, then it's, you know, getting kids ready for school, a little bit of meditation in the morning, some quiet time, some reading, um, getting kids out the door to school. So my daughter leaves, she goes to school at 845. My son goes to preschool at 1030. I pick him up at one and then I pick my daughter up at 330. So in between on the weekdays, in between those kind of two hour chunks is when I'm replying to emails answering any contracting questions, signing lead orders, helping agents in the home, getting on Zoom with my team and being present with them while I'm doing that stuff. And then most of my evenings in the winter, we're not so busy because we don't have kids in sports and softball practice and all that stuff. But um, most of the year, my evenings are working on the go, taking my iPad with me. You know, I've I've been sitting under the pavilion at the softball park writing policies. I've been yeah. on the phone at the softball park helping agents in the home, helping run quotes, training new agents, hopping on Zooms. You know, it's just, it's just, there's no balance of it. It's just do what you have to do. Yeah. It is so cool. Like, I think we take it for granted the fact that like this business, you legit 
your phone, your iPad, your laptop, taking it where you got to go and what you got to do. And yeah, you can sell, recruit, contract, you can do everything wherever you are. Now, maybe that is a blessing and a curse, because like you said, sometimes you've got to do what we got to do and you'll be God knows where and you got to answer something, but it's all good. It's a blessing because it's not like I don't have to sit at a desk the entire day to make money, you know, and especially now with the virtual deal, because I'd assume early on for you, like Utah's obviously, and I'm not, not an expert. It's not like the biggest metropolis, like leads were probably a little tougher. Did you have to travel at all early on? Oh yeah. Um, the first year at FFL, um, I was in Idaho, Arizona all the time, every other week. Um, you know, having my parents help with the kids, having them stay with their dad for a weekend, running here, running there, you know, driving all over, flying all over just because there wasn't a lot of leads here. We don't have that issue as much anymore with the internet leads and all that stuff that we can just turn on and turn off when we want them. Um, but yeah, early on, there was a lot of travel and it's cool now. Yeah. A lot of missing stuff, which I think, you know, now is so cool to me that I don't because growing up, my dad missed a lot of our my games. Yeah. You know, he missed a lot of my soccer games because he was at work when the varsity games at three thirty, you know, and he doesn't get off work till five thirty or six. He missed a lot of our weekday games. So for me, it's cool that even though I can't always be a hundred percent present at, you know, if my daughter's got a four or four thirty softball game, I can take my phone with me. I could take my iPad with me and do whatever I have to do there. And, you know, she can see me and she knows I'm there and she knows I'm there to support, but I can also get my work done at the same time. Yeah. I love that. You know, we, we live in the, in the world of, you know, doing a million things at once, but let's face facts. We got technology, we leverage it and it makes our lives a little bit easier. And we are as present as we can be and being somewhat present is better than not being present at all. Absolutely. So where do you kind of see where, where you're headed? Obviously I think 2023 is going to be a pivotal year for the company, um, really taking that turn to getting to a billion as a company and obviously all of our individual agencies. Where do you kind of see you and your group? I know we just did a, you know, a training thing for you guys with, with a boot camp. Where do you see yourself growing and going to in this coming year? So a really cool thing that a couple of um, guys, not directly on my team, but we have the we have the same upline. So we're, you know, we work together a lot. We all work out of the same office. Um, you know, we've got, we've got some software and some systems now that are making it so that, um, our time is used more wisely. We're not spending as much time on the phones and dialing. We're able to use technology to our advantage a little bit more, which means it's easier for us. You know, we've got people who specialize in virtual sales and phone sales, and we're not having to be face-to-face with every client anymore. And I think that's going to be a game changer for us because if we can figure out how to capitalize on, you know, how the pandemic kind of shifted everything into more of a virtual, you know, space in general, where we can do pretty much everything either over the phone or on Zoom now. And I think just, you know, pinpointing, nailing down, perfecting those uh, phone sales techniques and all of that stuff and getting our training narrowed down is going to be easier to recruit 
it's going to be easier for people to sell more because they don't have to be in Idaho. They don't have to be in Arizona anymore. They can call the client. They can FaceTime the client. They can Zoom the client. There's so many different ways now that we, you know, and like with the carriers changing a lot of their stuff and making it easier for us to be able to do that. Um, I think 2023 is just going to explode. Yeah, I agree. I think this is going to be a massive year and talking about that, the springboard to that is convention. Um, how many conventions have you attended? At FFL? Yeah. One. Okay, so last, last, year's, year. last year's first one. Okay, gotcha. I don't yeah. think I was here for the year before. Right, because, yeah, the year before we were in the seven cities, and, yeah. So for people that are looking to, to come, maybe they're on the fence and it's an expense and all that stuff, Going, knowing what you learned last year and what it meant to your business, what do you think that is for people and why do you think they should get the convention? Anybody who tells me they can't afford to go, my answer is always, you can't afford to not go. If you're if you're going to take this serious and you're going, you know, so many people are like, oh, I'm going to quit my job like right away. Great. Like, I'm not going to tell you not to do that. If you <laughs> if you have enough belief in yourself and you have enough capital to stay afloat for a minute. Um, but if you if you can't afford to go, you can't afford to be in this business. And, I, you know, and I'm pretty pretty straightforward and pretty honest with people and new agents, if they're not at conference, they know out the gate that they are not going to get all of my time. If you can't invest in yourself, why am I going to invest my time in you? Because I'm going to be answering questions that were answered at conference, but you weren't there to do it. So now I'm working double coaching when we could have just been done the first time. So it's kind of like a, it's a make or break for me, whether I'm going to work one-on-one -on -one with an agent or a team or a manager, if they're, if they're at conference or not. You should like put that on a t-shirt with your logo, like that phrase <laughs> that you said, that would be huge. Yeah, I agree. I, I think it's really going to be uh, crazy, impactful and incredible. And I think that is the biggest thing. It's um, are, are you going to invest in you or not? I mean, like, what, what, what do you yeah. have to lose? Like, I, I, I'll never forget my first one. I mean, I was like, whoa, OK, like this is how this is done. Great. Like, now let me go do yeah. it. You know? Yeah. Well, and even just the relationships that you can build yep. with other people. You don't get any other chance to talk to every Hall of Fame agent or every Hall of Fame agency owner or every builder or every, you know what I mean? Like without going to the meetings and going to conferences and going to convention and seeing the people and building those relationships, you're really just stranded on an island with no resources. Very true. Yeah. I think another big thing in, in, um, relationships is like carriers, right? It's like you have carrier meet, greet Wednesday night. Like if you don't think that a carrier is going to do a little more for you when you shoot them an email, when they know you and they're like, Oh yeah, I know that nice young man or young lady. Like they are like the 100%. world is about, the world is about relationships at the end of the day. It really is. Yep. It's not about what you know. It's about who you know. Very true. <laughs> Good point. Always will be. <laughs> That's very, very true. All right. So last thing, um, I need to get to Utah. I've always wanted to go biking there in the, uh, in the mountains. Bite like, like mountain bike biking? Yeah. Like mountain bike. Yeah. Okay. So like how, how far are you from like a really awesome, like, trail or cool mountains there where i live i'm kind of up on the mountain okay so i'm five minutes from a trail that you can mountain bike all right cool i'm 40 minutes from park city and all the ski resorts nice so i can carefully ride down the mountain or down the hill because you live on the top of the hill 
uh well we're like halfway so uh, yeah uh, that's even <laughs> you better you might have to bike up and bike down <laughs> okay that's perfect even better exercise yeah. but yeah it's always somewhere that i've wanted to go because i just it's just like a breathtaking place and uh it looks like a lot a of fun place. and it looks actually very chill which is what i definitely need in my life yep need some chill it's a very very relaxed very yeah just a very relaxed place not a lot of crime lots of kids yeah. lots of families sure all right. Well, I look forward to seeing you in uh, now. What is it? Three weeks, two weeks, couple weeks now to convention. Yeah. Be here in no time. Thank you so much for hopping on and just really appreciate uh, learning from you and, and all that you're doing. Thanks for having me. All right, guys. I'll talk to you later. Take care.